Good afternoon, everybody. It is hot today. Hey. Who likes it? All right, I figured. <laughs> Winter's just a few weeks away. <laughs> it's a beautiful day today. The sun is shining. The Lord is good. Amen. How many of you are happy to be alive today? Oh, yes. Yes. No matter what challenges you might be facing in life, you know what? We could be happy because our God is with us. What a privilege it is to gather together week after week, simply to worship God and open his word and learn from him. Have you been learning your lessons lately? When you've come seeking God through his word, has he been revealing any truths to you? It's quiet. I know summertime comes around, you want to be outside, you want to be partying, you know, and during the winter, that's when we read our Bible, because it's cold. <laughs> Stay inside. You know, God speaks to us through many different ways, but when we seek him through his word, oh, we have this, this privilege to just sit down, to have this book, we have this liberty to be able to know God through his word. Let's not take that for granted, friends. There were a lot of graduations that uh, have been going on this past couple weeks. My niece graduated from uh, grade eight. <laughs> and uh, another niece as well graduated eighth grade. And you know, it's a time to celebrate these graduations to mark um, this very important time in their life. But is it really just about what they've achieved so far? Or are we celebrating because you know what? They're taking the next step. They're moving on to that next phase in life. Now, we've been meeting here at Connections Ministries for how many years now? 17. 17, 17 years. And some of us have been here the entire 17 years. And for some reason, it seems that when we study God's word, we're still just feeding on the milk, right? Easy to take in, and it, it's just being fed to us. And sometimes we have, the, we have that desire to want to move on and get into the meat of God's word, to know him more. We, we're hungry for more, but for some reason, we just stay on the milk. Friends, I believe it's a time in our life where we always have to be concerned with taking the next step. Let's not stay complacent where we are in our journey with the Lord. Let's not just say, I know God enough and I'm comfortable here. Because friends, it's like you're sucking on spiritual milk for the rest of your life. Do you want to know God more? He is more than milk. All right. Our study today is called Greatest. It's a Latin word that really had no meaning, <laughs> but it's come to, to now mean step or pace. And when we talk about having a spiritual journey with God, a journey, you got to be moving, you got to be going somewhere. You don't just sit still. What's the point of a journey if you never get to go on it? Let's take the next step, the next greatest. Our key text today found in Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now, how many of us are afraid to take the next step in life, just in general, taking the next step in life? You don't, it's uncharted territory. You haven't gone there before. And just taking that next step, it could be kind of scary. It could be you're unsure, you're afraid of failing, you're afraid that you won't know what to do when you get there, you're afraid you'll be taking a step in the wrong direction. But friends, if you're not taking a step, what are you doing? The journey sometimes takes us on these uh, roundabout ways. The journey sometimes can lead us into areas we don't want to be, but we have lessons to learn no matter where we are every step of the way, so we should not be afraid because our God goes with us. Amen? Amen? Our God is able 
to hold us up, we might stumble, but we will not stay down, for the Lord upholds us with his right hand. The first section that we're studying is, what's your plan? You know, um, when you're in high school, they ask you, it's a good time for you to start thinking about where you're going to go to university or college. It's a, it's a good time for you to think about what sort of career you want to have and start working toward it. So they encourage, especially the, the juniors and the seniors, grade 11 and 12, they say, what's your five-year plan? Just don't worry about what happens 10 years down the road. Just focus. What's your, what's your plan for the next five years, you know? Most degrees take about three or four years to complete. So hopefully within that five-year period, yes, you have a degree and you've moved on to some sort of a career, right? That's the hope, the expectation. Proverbs 16, verse 9 in the message. We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Make your plans, but God establishes your steps. You could make your plans, okay, but only God makes you able to live it out. What do we do with this? I want you to stop and consider today. Or let's do some admission here, okay? How many of you do have a plan for your life for the next year? Good, good, good. Retirees are like, you know what, I, I wing it, you know? I go day by day, <laughs> you know? What, how many of you have a plan for the next five years? Good, fewer hands are going up, but you, you got a plan. How many of you got a plan for the next 10 years? John. All right, John. <laughs> it's good. You know what? You make your plans. You know, you have a direction, something you want to work toward. But remember, it's God that helps you get there. It's God that helps you on that path. And sometimes your plans might take a little bit longer. When I was in high school, I had the five-year plan on my senior year. I won't share it with you because I failed and it doesn't matter anymore. Five years, I was not anywhere close to it. Ten years passed, still not there. You know, only after 15 years, I started to get somewhere. And 20 years later, I scrapped the plan and I'm just happy. You know, plans change. Plans change. And I'm not saying God wasn't helping me throughout that time. But man, when I took those steps, messing up in life, oh, the lessons that I learned. Right. The best education you could receive in life, I believe, come from all those mistakes, come from all the challenges that you face. Because if you don't make the mistake, you won't know how to make it right. Right? If you're always doing the right thing, getting the good grades, and you never know anything outside of that, and everybody praises them, oh, valedictorian, A+, plus, A+, plus, good for you. They never made a mistake in their life. What happens when they fail? Maybe they were so self-reliant. They didn't know how to deal with failure, you know, because they've trusted in their own ability to just get the grade. But friends, life doesn't give you grades. But life has the most important lessons that you'll need to carry with you. What are your plans? Do you pray about your plans? I come to God sometimes and I used to be like, God, this is my plan. I've sat down, I really thought about this. This is what I want. So God, could you just please make this happen? God, I know you're with me and you want me to be happy, so help me out with my plan, okay? I gotta ask you, how are you being when you approach God with your plans. Sometimes when we pray, we might just say, God, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm up to. I want you to be part of it. So come on for the ride. And we're just telling him our wish list. Like we're sitting on Santa Claus's lap, you know? When we go to God with our plans, we say, God, could you just bless my plans so I'll be successful? Could you just bless my plans so I won't look bad in front of my friends? Would you just bless my plans so I won't feel like a failure? What sort of language are you hearing there? 
It's very selfish. That's the pride of life. You know, you're chasing things and it's you doing it. And you're expecting even God to work it out for you. Because in a way, all that matters is you. But in God's kingdom, we have to remember it's not about you at all. So we're going to study a little bit about a few characters in the Bible. And we're just going to be looking at the first uh, few books in the Bible there. We got Genesis. And we're not going to be reading through it, but you could open your Bibles. Uh, Genesis 50, verses 15 to 26, we're going to be focusing at. Do you know the story of Joseph? Yes. Yeah? The dreamer, right? The technicolor dream coat, right? Um, so there's this character, Joseph, at the end of the book of Genesis. How did Joseph end up in Egypt in the first place? Do you remember? He was sold, right? By his brothers as a slave, right? Once he got to Egypt, what happened? He was working in a guy's house and he got a promotion. He did good work. He was diligent, upright guy, and uh, his master had favor with him, right? He had the favor of the master, and the master said, okay, you're in charge of my whole household here, right? And his master had a wife. Do you remember what happened with his wife? She seduces him. She doesn't succeed. See, she made her plans, right? And they failed. She seduces him. She doesn't succeed. So what does she do? She screams and tells lies about Joseph to get him into trouble, right? So here, Joseph, he had quite the, uh, quite the journey already. Just going to a new place, being sold off by your family. They don't want you. You get sold as a slave. You get promoted. And then you end up in jail. You think, okay, I'm making something of my life. Have you ever felt like Joseph up to that point? You felt um, displaced. You didn't know where you belonged. Perhaps you couldn't find your place in your family, or maybe you were a misfit at school. It's a common story. And then you go out there, and you're trying to make the most of a, a terrible situation. So you go out, you start finding yourself, you get a job. You're starting to do really well at the job, and you move up, and other people get jealous, so they try to take you down. And you start to hate your job that you're very good at because of your circumstances around you. I'm sure you've experienced something like this before. But while Joseph was there, no matter what situation he found himself in, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with him and the favor of the Lord was with him. And the Lord gave him dreams and the Lord gave him the ability to interpret dreams and the Lord spared his life, you know, like his brothers wanted to kill him. But instead of killing him, what did they do? Threw him down a well, right? I mean, he could have been gone. But God had a purpose for Joseph's life. Although it was so far away, he couldn't see it at the bottom of that pit. So if you ever feel like you're at the bottom of a pit in life, my friends, remember Joseph. Remember God has a plan for your life too. The reason you're not dead today is because there are still opportunities for God to work with you. Amen. Don't miss those opportunities. There are still lessons he wants you to learn. But we're, we're fast forwarding here to the end of Genesis chapter 50. And we're seeing how Joseph treated his brothers. This is right after his father had died. The brothers were afraid that Joseph was like going to take revenge on them because of what they did to him earlier. But then this is Joseph's attitude after his father Israel, Jacob, had passed away. In verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, it might not have been Joseph's plan to save lives, but this was God's plan, right? So God allowed Joseph to be spared for his kingdom purposes, for his great plan, okay? Can you imagine God using you for his kingdom purposes? Maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you're not sure that you have anything to offer. But neither did Joseph. He was a 17-year-old kid, thrown away by his family, 
and found himself in a totally different land, feeling trapped. Okay? But God could take that situation and he could use it for good. The Bible tells us that God works all things together for good of those who love him, those who trust him. Do you love the Lord? Can you trust him? Toward the end of his life, Joseph told his brothers in verse 24, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on path, on oath, sorry, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here, okay, so here we have a promise. At the end of Joseph's life, remember, his brothers came because there was a famine, right? And uh, during that famine, Joseph was the man. He was in charge. See, God put him in this special place, okay? And at the end of it all, Joseph says, listen, brothers, you know what? I'm, I'm about to die, but here's a promise from God. He's going to come back and take you away from this and bring you to a land that's promised. See, whenever you find yourself in a situation, maybe like his brothers, your guide is gone. The person that you trust in, they're gone. The person you depend on, they're gone. Well, you know what? What did Joseph encourage his brothers with? God will surely come to your aid. He points them in the right direction. He says, I might be gone, but don't despair. There is a promise that God will take you out of this and bring you to the promised land. Okay? So that's just the beginning, the beginning of the wilderness wandering. That was one of the first steps that we read about of how God led his people, the Israelites, into the land of Egypt. At this point, they weren't slaves. Later, they became slaves, yes? And there was the, the wicked Pharaoh that uh, just started to, to get on these guys and make them their slaves. In Exodus, we read that story. It says how God spares baby Moses, right? God spares baby Moses' life at a time when all Hebrew baby boys were to be thrown into the Nile. This is because the Egyptian king, oppressing the Hebrew slaves, was afraid of being overthrown because of their rapid multiplication. You know that be fruitful and multiply? Yeah, the Israelites took that really seriously. There were a lot of them. So Moses, here he is. He's found in a basket adrift on the river by the Pharaoh's daughter. And she adopts him as her own. He grows up to become a man who would one day be sent by God, along with his brother Aaron, to free the Hebrew slaves from slavery and deliver them to the promised land. So there was a promise with Joseph when they first entered this land, right? The land of Egypt. And then here comes that fulfillment of that promise by God through the baby Moses that came. You know the story of Moses, yes? So we won't go over the plagues. But Moses, because he was a Hebrew, and then he gets adopted by an Egyptian, and we're going to be getting into that a little bit later, where did he fall? Was he Hebrew or was he Egyptian? Well, God made a way, sparing Moses' life, letting all these uh, situations work out. Moses was not in control of any of that. He's a baby. He can't do anything. He still needed his mother's milk. So when the Pharaoh's daughter picked Moses out of the, the water, there was a Hebrew slave girl that came up and said, do you need a nurse for the baby? It was his sister. And his sister brought her mother and... Moses' mother was able to be there and, and still nurture her baby Moses. God works out things in a special way, doesn't he? I want you to think back on your life. There's some things that were just out of your control. You could not manipulate it. You could not let anything... You had no control in a situation. But if you ever look back at situations, have you seen God working in your life? What seemed like an unpleasant situation, God took it and turned it for better. Maybe there was a lesson that you needed to learn there. In our family, oh, maybe we're just a stubborn family. 
because there were six of us growing up, four, me and my siblings, four kids, and my parents. And with the six of us, oh man, there are lots of lessons to learn, you know? And God taught us those lessons in different ways. He taught us with allowing family members to fall sick. He allowed us to learn through uh, bankruptcy and just like getting moved from what you were comfortable with, stripped of everything and, and starting fresh, you know? And then when we got comfortable again, God taught us another lesson again with a fire. And, and then, you know, we're stripped of all those things and it's just to keep our eyes focused on God instead of just enjoying the things of this world. And then after the fire, you know what? All of us ended up married. We were all ended up with kids and... And here we all each had our own family, and it would be such a shame if we didn't learn our lessons that God was teaching us while we were growing up. I wouldn't want to have to learn those lessons with my family now, you know? So we try to instill those values now. What lessons has God taught you that you ought to carry with you and not forget? See the lesson as though we would have learned our lesson from the bankruptcy? No, we also have the fire. Why? We forgot somewhere along the way. After I got married, I thought, this is going to be great. You know, thanks God, I finally found a wife and, and she's my best friend and here we are and we're, we're, we're going great. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we get married, we have a baby. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, we didn't even have time to date. We didn't have time to be married. We just had time to be pregnant, and, and there we go. And here we had a baby. Now, the baby's a joy, but with the baby, wow, there's a lot of challenges. And then after that little boy starts growing up, boom, another baby. And, and just when you're, you think you're about to catch your breath, boom, another baby. You're like, Lord, I don't want to grumble because children are a blessing from the Lord, right? And you start to feel bad or ungrateful, but you know what? I'm like, Lord, if you're allowing me this responsibility, I know I can't do this in my own strength, so I'm not going to rely on myself. I know I need to trust in you. And just as we're raising our boys and things are getting better, all of a sudden, boom! Heart condition, triple bypass. The day I go in for that surgery, boom, your wife has a brain tumor and she can't stay up straight and help watch the kids right now. Boom, boom, boom. Wife gets out of the hospital. We're praising God at this point because we've learned to trust him. We've learned to set our eyes on him and, and believe that what he's sending us to, you know what, Lord, you, you let us survive all this. We know you got a purpose. We know you got a plan. See, we got so busy, we couldn't even make plans anymore. But the Lord still establishes our steps. My wife gets out of surgery, praise the Lord. There was no uh, paralysis. There was not too many difficulties with our health. But all of a sudden, boom, autism diagnosis. A few more months pass, boom. Oh, another autism diagnosis. And just when we think, oh, we're good, we're good. Boom! Another autism diagnosis. And there's therapies and there's all this other stuff. So now we're in better health and we start saying, okay, God, we're going to start making our plans. We need to help our boys. We need to help our boys. We need to get our boys the help they need. So, God, these are our plans. Are you going to be here with us and help us through this? Are you going to be here with us and make this happen? I want to hear my son speak. I want to hear words coming out of his mouth. I want to see my boy sit still so we can just enjoy a meal together. Lord, are you going to make that happen? Because these are my plans. Boom. You're pregnant again. <laughs> and we still didn't learn our lesson. Why? We always start to get self-reliant. We start making it about ourselves. Friends, whatever you do, stop making life about yourself. God will allow you challenges and he'll carry you through those challenges, but it's not just for you. It's so that you could turn your heart to him. 
because he'll allow you to drown. Why? He wants to save you. But if you feel that you're good and you don't need saving, friends, be, be careful about that. God has his plan. And it's either you get on board with his plan. It's not even either. It's just get on board with his plan. God has plans for your life. No matter what you want out of life, friends, seek first God and what he wants. Right? So when you come to God, I asked that question earlier. How are you being when you come to God? Are you just making it about what you want and what you desire first? Or do you come and ask God, God, what do you want for my life? Are you feeling like you're in a desert place today? Moses, remember, he came in. He, he came in and got those Israelites out of Egypt, and they found themselves where? In the wilderness, roaming around. And God, even there, he, he performed miracles for them back in Egypt to help get them out of there. And when they got out, they came to the Red Sea. Remember what happened there? The waters parted, and God made a way of escape for them and brought them to another side. No matter what you're going through, God always provides an escape from your fears, from your doubt, from your temptation. God provides a way. Okay? We read this story about the journey of these uh, Israelites in the wilderness in the books of Exodus and, and Numbers. But I want to focus on something here in Numbers. Two characters. Joshua and Caleb. Now, most of you are probably familiar with Joshua, yes? How many of you are familiar with Caleb? Poor guy, you know, his, his, name, his name's mentioned there in the Bible, right? Beside Joseph, uh, Joshua, but we forget him, you know? But there are so many lessons we can learn from Caleb. But let's just look at what happened with, with these guys. In Numbers, chapters 13 and 14, it tells us a story. The Lord told Moses to send one leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel to explore the land of Canaan, which God was giving the Israelites. This was going to be their promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, promised to them many years ago. So these 12, these 12 spies, Israelite spies, they were there in the land of Canaan for how many days? 40 days. 40 days scoping out the place. Is the land good? Can we build a life here? How are the city walls, you know? What is this land like, you know? It's kind of like maybe you were in the Philippines and you might have been the first one to come over here to Canada. And you went forward and everyone back home is asking, what's it like there? Is it good? Can we make it? What is snow like? How cold is it really? <laughs> you know? And you want to know, is that going to be a place that we could go, right? And of course, you're going to give a report back, right? And that's what these 12 spies did. They, they went into the land. They checked everything out. They saw beautiful vineyards with big grapes on their vine. And there, there's so much fruit all over the place. Lush, beautiful land with water and everything that you need for living. It was so good, they even cut off some of the, the fruit from the vine and they carried it back to the Israelite camp. And when they gave the report, they said, yes, it is good land. We could really make a place here. Look, here's the fruit. It's so big, it's so good, it's so juicy, you know? But there are people that are living there already. And those people, they are powerful. They're so powerful, they're so big, you know? They're like giants and they were afraid. And they said, there's no way we could go in there. One voice finally speaks up. His name is Caleb. And he says, the land is good for taking. Let's go there right away and take it. God promised it to us. Let's go take it. And everybody else just said, no way we're taking it. There's just too much at risk here. They're going to take our children 
and our wives as plunder, and we're all going to die. So there was a rebellion that started up. And they, they were rebelling against Moses and Aaron, and they're saying, how could you lead us here to die by the, the sword of these people? We were better off in Egypt. Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt peacefully? Or why didn't you just let us die here in the wilderness? They're going to take our children. They're going to take our wives. And they're whining and they're complaining and they're treating God with contempt. Because this was God's plan. He said, I'm taking you out of that land of Egypt and I promise to take you to this land. And this is your land and it will be yours. God had a plan. Did the Israelites get on board with it? No. So what did God tell Moses? His light comes down, approaches Moses and says, Moses, how, many, how long do I have to stay with you? When will your people start learning their lessons? I provided manna. I've made a way of escape. They're no longer slaves in Egypt. And here the promised land is right before them and they are not stepping into this promise. The Lord heard their grumblings. You know what the Lord said? I heard what you said, Israelites. So you know what? I'm going to make you roam around the wilderness for one year for every day that the spies were in Canaan. They were there for 40 days. So how many years are they roaming around in the wilderness? 40 years. And he says, during this 40 years, you who were grumbling, anybody over the age of 20 that was counted in the census, you guys that were grumbling, you will not enter this land. You will never see it. I heard you say you were going to die in the desert. You wanted to die in the wilderness. You will die before your children get to enter into the promised land. You thought that your wives and children would be taken as plunder. Well, guess what? They will be the ones enjoying the promise that you rejected to step into. What a big lesson. Caleb, he was already about, what, 40 years old at this point? Would it have been fair for Caleb to have to, to not see the promised land? He was faithful. He said, no, this is a promise. God gave it to us. Let's go. Let's get it. God is with us. He will make this happen, right? You make your plans, but the Lord allows you to live that out, okay? So if you get on board with God's plan and it seems impossible, friends, God will give you what you need to step into everything he's promised. Take the next step. What are you afraid of? What are the giants in your life that hinder you from coming closer to what God wants for your life? We wonder, why is God not blessing me? Why isn't God being good on his promise? Well, do you believe in God's promises? Do you trust that his promises are true? If you doubt, if you fear, that's what's keeping you from experiencing all that, you see. Faith steps. We're going to look at these stories again. Faith steps with kingdom purpose. We look back at Joseph's story and we see how God positioned him. Okay, and we're talking about position. Joseph found himself in these situations. God was with him through it all and he was placed in positions to carry out God's plan. Are you grumbling about your situation to, today? Are you unhappy about where you are now? Because, friends, you are alive today, not by accident. You are alive today, and God has a purpose and a will for your life, and he wants you to discover that. Okay? So no matter if you feel you deserve better, or you could do better, or you just hate what this is, well, God has you here for right now, and he has a lesson for each of us. So what are you learning? See, in school, if you don't learn your lessons, you don't graduate the next step, right? 
Until you learn your lesson, I don't know how much further you're going to be going on in this journey. But friends, you are not journeying alone. You have a community, a faith community around you that wants to journey with you. We won't leave you where you are. We want to encourage you and build you up and get you off the, the spiritual milk. And you know what? We could enjoy this, that spiritual meat together, you know? But it'll only happen if you're learning your lessons. Position. What is God doing with your current situation? Are you grumbling about where you're at? And do you trust God's intention and his leading in your life? You know, I know I kind of had a problem with this. I'm like, wait, God has a plan for my life? Why don't I get to plan my life? <laughs> you know? Why, why is it up to God what happens? And it's like, no, God allows you to choose. You could choose to go along with his plan, or you could choose your own plan, and you could go about your merry way doing whatever the heck you want to do. But sometimes if you're not doing it with God, guess what? God's not doing it with you. Why? You chose it. Don't blame anybody. Your current situation, this is terrible, this is terrible. You know what? Look at yourself. Why are you there? You haven't learned your lesson yet. God still has something to teach you. Right? Let's look at identity. Moses, he was out there in Midian, right? He had a Midianite wife. Um, he, he had a, a couple kids, and his first kid, when he's born, Moses just kind of takes this deep breath and says this very loaded thing I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. What does it mean? Remember, he was born a Hebrew, right? He was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised as an Egyptian. While he was an Egyptian, he started to see what was happening with the Hebrew people. He killed an Egyptian because the Egyptian was being hard on a Hebrew man. And then he saw two Hebrew men fighting, and he kind of came in, and he's trying to talk some sense, and they look at him, they're like, how dare you? Who are you to talk to us? You know, like, this is none of your concern. We know that you killed that Hebrew man, right? He was rejected by his own people, the Hebrews. Because he killed an Egyptian, he fled Egypt. He was on his own. He went into his wilderness situation. And while he's out there fearing his life, rejected by the Hebrews, chased down by the Egyptians, where's he going to go? Midian. Goes to Midian, what happens? Starts, you know, tending some sheep. Finds a, finds a wife. Has a kid. Things seem to be getting a little bit better out there. And at this very joyous moment, he stops and just reflects and says, Wow, who am I? Who am I? It wasn't until after he, he saw himself as a foreigner in a foreign land that God finally revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. See, when you ask questions, when you've been stripped of everything that you think you are, that's the best time you can meet with God. You lay yourself down. You get rid of yourself so God could reveal himself to you. You're not carrying all this extra baggage with you anymore. And sometimes, isn't that how God does it? He lets you go through the challenges to strip you away of your self-reliance. He wants you to learn to rely on him. He wants you getting yourself asking those questions. Who am I? What's my purpose? What am I here for? Moses had these, this very confusing time. He was having an identity confusion. And there, God reveals himself and gives him purpose. Moses, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. You are the one that's going to go back to Egypt and take the Israelites out of there. This is my purpose for your life. And not just take them out. You're going to lead them to the promised land. He had a very big responsibility on his shoulders. All of a sudden, purpose comes to him. And now, who do we know Moses to be? The liberator. Right? I mean, his identity now, it's been shaped because you know what? There's purpose in his life. Maybe we don't know who we are sometimes. We don't know what our identity is because we don't know what our purpose is. 
God created you with a purpose in mind. Until you start living that purpose, friends, you will never know who you truly are. You will try to figure that out, reading all the self-help books, watching all the movies, trying to buy things to, to figure out who you are because you want to shape yourself. But my friends, God saw you being formed and shaped in your mother's womb. He knew you from your conception. And before you took your first breath all the days of your life, he foreknew. He has a plan for your life. Do you want to discover what that plan is? Tim. Yeah. Um, in Grey Series, the first lesson was on identity. Yeah. And as you shared this one, it just reminded me that we are just, we're no different than Moses mm -hmm. because we are also aliens in this world. Because our citizenship is in heaven, mm -hmm. this world is not our home, we're just passing through. And we can then conclude because we are God's child. You are God's children. children. That's right. We could say we're God's children, but if we don't know what that means, then we probably still have that um, identity confusion, right? Or identity dysphoria, right? Um, God created you to be something. He created us in his image, yes? Male and female, he created us with purpose. How about your identity? Are you simply concerned with your own plans when you come to God? God, this is me, this is me, this is me. And you're telling God who you are. But God already knows you better than you know yourself. So you come up, this is me, God. Here I am, what are you going to do with me now? And you come up boldly and proud, right? God wants you to discover who you are in him. He wants you to know who you are in Christ. If you're coming to God because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you could have this relationship with him, if you're coming to God and you've welcomed his spirit to start working in your life to change you from the inside out by disciplining you and, and teaching you things that he wants you to know. I pray you discover who you are. And it's not about Faye. It's not about Chris Alito. It's not about myself. Because when we come to God and we want to discover who we are, remember, it's about who we are in Christ. So that means we lose ourselves to the person of Christ. It means it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, of course, that's a very scary step to take, right? Letting go of yourself and trusting somebody else, that's a scary place to be. Position, identity. We need to be stripped of everything, put into those situations where we can come to know God. That's all that it is. You want to know your identity? Come to know God first. Why? He's creator God. He created you. You want to know what your purpose is in life? You go back to the creator. You don't go asking another creation or creature, hey, what am I supposed to do? I say, you're supposed to jump off the bridge, jump off the building. You know, it's ridiculous. You go back to the one that has a purpose for you. Are you at all concerned with seeking to know who creator God is and discovering what his purpose is for the life that you've been given? the life that you've been given to live. It's not your life to possess. It's the life that you've been given to live and to come to know who God is. That's it. Position and identity. And of course, we were talking about Caleb, right? Do you know what the name Caleb means? Look it up in the dictionary. It means dog. If any of you get a dog and you're wondering, what will I name my dog? <laughs> Caleb is a good name. <laughs> it, it's what his name means. And uh, if, you, if you stretch it a little bit more and you look back to the origin of this name, Caleb, 
It helps you realize, as a dog is faithful, or as a dog is loyal to their master, or when the master calls, the dog comes and it's his faithful friend by his side. Caleb exhibited that sort of faithfulness. He trusted the master's promise. If, if you had your dog and you said, come on, come on, Caleb, let's go over there to that park over there. That's where you get to play. That's where you get to jump and run free. And Caleb's like, yeah, that's where I want to go. There might be some, some other dogs there, but don't worry. That's a place for you too. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go in. And he's got his master with him. So everything's going to be okay. God did that with the Israelites. Look, Israelites, there's the land that I promised you. We're sending spies ahead to make sure everything's going to be good and clear. And Caleb says, yes, I believe what the master said. Yes, I believe that that's where we're going. Yes, I want freedom. I want to enjoy. That's ours for the taking because my master promised that to me. I get a sense of heaviness in the room right now. I get a sense of almost sadness or um, shame. Maybe it's just me sensing that. It just feels really heavy in the room right now. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, it's, um, maybe it's you didn't hear God's promise. Maybe you don't trust God's promise enough. Or maybe there's just too many fears and doubts getting in the way of you taking that next step on your spiritual journey with God. Whatever it is, friends, that weight that I'm feeling, it's just going to keep you where you are. It's going to oppress you like the slaves just wanted to stay in Egypt. It's going to make you want something other than wanting God. So friends, let it go. Amen. Hey? Yes. I mean, on to bigger and better things. On to the life that God promised us, the more abundant life. A joy-filled life, a life of purpose. God's pointing us on that direction, friends, a life of righteousness. Don't stay feeling heavy. Weighted down by the worries of life, friends, it's time to step on up. Hmm. That's a good thing. I, I, I'm saying this because I want to encourage you. I don't want to journey alone. But if you're not coming and you chose to just stay there, I'm sorry, I, I got to keep going on. All right? But like Caleb, he stayed with the Israelites those 40 years. Why? Because he wouldn't discover the fullness of God's promise if he didn't journey with the Israelites those 40 years in the wilderness. Watching all these people die off before entering into that place. Watching people that could have made it Fall away. That's a heartbreaking thing to witness. But Caleb remained faithful to God's promise because he trusted that God is faithful. Amen. Amen? Um, it's funny you uh, mentioned that Caleb's meaning is uh, a dog is about dog and is faithful, right? Mm. And it's so true that whenever you, you come home and the dog comes see the master, they're jumping for joy. Mm. That's why if you reverse the word dog, yeah. how do you read it? God, right? God is so faithful to yeah. us. The question is, are we faithful to him? That's good. Do, we, do we rejoice in the Lord always? Mm. Or we're just going to be depressed and sad. We're talking about this faithfulness of God. Mm. And yet, you know, we're just, you know, yeah. dead. Maybe part of the heaviness and the load, we all carry different loads. And maybe it's because we also have forgotten his invitation to unload that to him. Maybe it's uh, we're being bogged down with the weight of our stuff. And uh, we have to take him at his word, come. Yeah. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Yeah. Everything's already been done so that you can come. You don't have to do anything yet at all. You just have to come.
Caleb, he stood apart from the majority. No matter what your friends, your family, what the world says, whatever's popular, you know what? Some, you got to stand against whatever it is if it is not in line with God's will. Yes? You need to be prepared to stand not in the majority. Okay? He trusted and he believed God's promise. So what does faithfulness look like for you today? Do you follow God wholeheartedly the way that Caleb did? The big giants are there. How are we going to get in that land? The walls are fortified. The cities are big. How are we going to enter in there and claim it as ours? Caleb knew God is with me. He trusted God wholeheartedly. Do you remember David when he went out into the field to fight Goliath? After 40 days of the, the Goliath guy coming out, calling for a champion to come challenge him, only David went out and it wasn't out of his own strength. He said, we are God's army. God is fighting for us and he will deliver us from the hands of the enemy. Friends, if the enemy is oppressing you today, I pray for your freedom. I pray that you would be liberated by whatever weight and chain is keeping you away from our God. I want you to live a life with God, one with full joy and peace. Or are you more like Caleb's companions that operated from a place of fear and doubt in God's plan? No matter if you identify more like Caleb or more like his companions, the main question I want to leave with you today is this. Can you remain faithful in knowing that God is faithful? You might have heard that God is faithful. Maybe you just haven't known it yet. Maybe you haven't experienced his faithfulness yet. To trust God wholeheartedly is, it can be a very scary thing, but it need not be. When you come to God, he is not going to shame you. He's going to carry you. When you come to God, he won't leave you where you are. He's going to lift you up on wings like eagles. He wants you to soar, soar high above everything that you're feeling trapped in today, friends. In Jesus' name, we have freedom. Amen. Amen. Let's worship our faithful God.